Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Tonight I want to speak on the subject of what will happen to America in the last days. And it is a question, and not the exact question, although this exact question has been sent to me uh, well over a hundred times, but questions like this have come in by the thousands in light of world events, in light of people wanting to know what's going on in America, how did we take this left turn so quickly, and people are wanting to know, does the Bible have anything to say? And the answer to that obviously is yes, but America, don't miss this, America is never mentioned specifically in Bible prophecy. Now, sadly, there are many unlettered speakers who twist scriptures trying to tell you that this represents America. But I promise you that through proper biblical scholarship, America is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Let me just give you one example. There's a passage in prophecy that speaks about the young lions. And some will actually take that little passage, pull it out of context and say, well, in England, the lion is on the flag and America came out of England. And they begin to do all of these theological gymnastics trying to shove America into Bible prophecy. So I want to say it again in the very infancy of this message. America is nowhere to be found in Bible prophecy through proper scholarship. Sadly, there are many that will try to pervert the Scriptures and make prophecy about America. But final Bible prophecy is not about America. It's about Israel. It's about Jerusalem. It's about God's covenant with the Jewish people. And it's about the Middle East. And it's about the European nations. And as you'll learn tonight, there are many nations mentioned in Bible prophecy. I'll name all 15 of them in the moments to come. But what I am going to do tonight is I am going to tell you right up front that there are four proper possible scenarios for what may happen to America. I'll walk you through the interpretation of the Bible and end time prophecy and show you possibilities for what may happen to America. And after I give you those four scenarios, I will conclude by telling you which of those scenarios I believe has the weight of sound scholarship and what I believe to be the probability in the days ahead. Again, speaking tonight, what will happen to America in the last days, Psalm 33, verse 10. The Bible says the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people He has chosen as His inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From His throne He observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts. 
so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. I heard a rumor recently in the news that one of the greatest military powers in the world didn't even have the intelligence to hang on to $85 billion of their own equipment. I don't know. Maybe it's not true. I heard a silly rumor. Verse 17, don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save you. Pause right there. When a nation loses the blessing of God, even its military falls apart at the seams. And if God decides that he's going to unravel your war horse, he'll unravel your war horse. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what history dictates you have been. Your future is dictated by how you live as a nation in the light of God's eternal word. Verse 17 again, don't count on your war horse to give you victory for all its strength it cannot save you. Verse 18, but the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. Let's pray. Father, we never open the Bible without an awareness of our desperate need of you. And so I humble my heart not only before these precious people, those that are watching online and the thousands that will listen in the days to come. And I humble my heart before you and declare that without you I can do nothing. I ask you to anoint my mind and my mouth and my words. Lead us and guide us in the truth now as we start in the Bible. Stay in the Bible and finish in the Bible. Help me to make these things clear. And may they bring comfort to every believer. May every child of God know, regardless of what happens in the last days, God's children live under a covenant of His favor that no sin, no nation, no mandate can ever undo the promise of God. We rejoice that the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. And we give you praise for all of your blessings and goodness. Lead us in these last days is our prayer. And now, Father, above all, don't let one person who listens to the preaching of the gospel, who does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, walk out the same way. Give them the faith and the courage and the humility tonight to do what they ought to do. And when the invitation is given to turn from sin and turn to Christ, I pray that their hand would be extended to take the hand of God's grace and mercy. Save them. Save their families. Save their children, their grandchildren, their loved ones. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus and we thank you that no power, 
in or out of hell, can prevail against the eternal word of God. For that we say, yea and amen. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Every day when the sun rises over our nation's capital, the early morning sunlight falls upon the tallest structure that is located in Washington, D.C. The Washington Monument stands 555 feet tall, 55 feet wide at its base, and it overlooks 69 square miles, which comprise what we call the District of Columbia, capital of the United States of America. The Washington Monument is made out of 36 stones of marble from the state of Maryland and granite from my home state, the state of Maine. And it weighs 90,000 tons. Most of you have an image and a visual of the Washington Monument. But what you may not know is it was designed so that the first sunlight of every day shining upon this nation out of the east, shines on the east side of the Washington Monument and touches this historic national treasure. On the very top, there's a nine-inch aluminum pyramid capstone which completes the top of the structure as it narrows to a point. That capstone on the top is 100 ounces of pure, solid Aluminum. It is also a part of the monument's lightning protection system. But let me take it one step further. The architects that placed it there, in harmony with the intentions of our forefathers, carved on the east side of that aluminum pyramid these words, Laus Deo, which is Latin for praise be to our God. By purposeful design, at the dawn of every new day in the United States of America, the very first beams from the sunlight of the early morning touch those words in our nation's capital. Praise be to our God. It was done as an act of consecration so that the mercy of the Lord And those who came historically after would never forget that the foundation of the United States of America was built upon the precepts of the Bible. From atop this magnificent granite and marble structure, there are approximately 800,000 visitors annually, which is about 2,200 people on average every day that go all the way to the top to see that panoramic view of the city, which is 69 square miles. And from that vantage point, if you've ever been there, you'll see what many people have never seen. Those who designed the nation's capital designed it in the exact image of a cross dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. The White House is on the north of the cross. The Jefferson Memorial is on the southern end of the cross. To the east is the Lincoln, uh, capital is to the east and the Lincoln Memorial there on the west. 
for that cross and all to see. Some have often said in recent days, and I don't know where they went to school, but they need to get their money back, stating that America is not a Christian nation. That, my friend, is baloney, if I can use a kind word. Every, listen, every single federal building in the United States Capitol has scriptures from the Bible carved throughout. The very first scripture as you walk into the Washington Monument is holiness unto the Lord. And as you ascend to the top of the Washington Monument, there are Bible verses to remind you that it was God who brought us out. It was God who protected us. It was God who purified us. It was God who provided for it. But I'm here to tell you tonight, sadly, our current leadership has forgotten God. It is the reason why you are watching an escalating downward spiral of our nation. I'm not here to hate on America. I love America. If this nation went to war and they drafted 62-year-old redhead, rugged men who love to fight, I'd be the first in line. I love America. I'm not here to slam America. But I am here to tell you she's in trouble. Because she has made herself the enemy of God. And when you make yourself the enemy of God, things don't go well. When little men with puny fists shake them in the face of a holy God, bad things always soon follow. For those of you who attend schools that have redacted the history books, let me read George Washington's dedicatory prayer at his inauguration. He was our very first president. He prayed, Almighty God, we make our earnest prayer that thou wilt keep the United States in thy holy protection, that thou wilt incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience and entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another and for their fellow citizens of the United States at large. And finally, that thou wilt most graciously be pleased to dispose us all to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind with which the characteristics of the divine author of our blessed religion and without a humble imitation of whose example in these things we can never hope to be, a happy nation. Please grant our supplication, O God, for we beseech Thee today through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I am here to tell you and I want all of the young students to listen. Those who deny that America was founded as a Christian nation have either simply failed history or they have sat in classes where God and the Bible have been redacted and censored from original records and rewritten by a godless and liberal academia with a political agenda. I am here to remind you as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, God still rules over all and He did. 
determines the existence and the destiny of the nations of the world. If you believe it and receive it, give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Bible prophecy does not provide exhaustive information about all nations. Bible prophecy is very clear. It openly and honestly states that many of these things will remain a mystery until the Lord unveils it. However, there are 15 specific nations who will play a major role in final Bible prophecy. I'll give them in their modern names. Israel. Jordan, Egypt, Sudan, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Europe, Central Asia, Syria, Greece, Saudi Arabia, Libya, Lebanon, Turkey are all nations named in the Bible who will be major players, especially when it comes to the final assault upon that small little nation of Israel. Did you know that the Bible prophesied that in the last days that there would be an invasion out of the north, Rosh, which is Russia, the kings of the east, which is China, and the Bible tells us that there will be an army in the Bible of two million men who will descend upon Israel and head into a battle. The Bible speaks clearly of it. But the Bible said they will come down the dried up riverbed of the Euphrates River that in the last days before the invasion of Israel by Rosh and allied nations and the kings of the east, China, that the river Euphrates would dry up and they'll come down its riverbed. Guess which river in the last couple of years has dried up and is now like a highway from the north into Israel, the Euphrates River, even as the Bible prophesied. Now you have to remember that in the Holy Bible written by John, John the Apostle is the author of the book of Revelation, and the Bible tells us he prophesied in the last days of an army of 200 million men. Did you know that when he prophesied that, scholars estimate the total population of the world was probably somewhere around 150 million to 175 million. It would be like somebody prophesying today an army of 10 billion people. There's only 8 billion people on the planet approximately. Anybody that prophesied that there's going to be an army of 10 billion people and between men, women, boys, and girls, there's a little over 8 billion, you'd say they've lost their mind or have forgotten to take their medication. And they must have felt the same way about John the Apostle. But in 95 AD, he said in that final war, out of Rosh, Russia, and the kings of the east, China, and Islamic nations allied, there will come 200 million men down the dried up bed of the Euphrates to wipe the Jews out of the nation of Israel once and for all. People who say they, 
Nothing in that Bible that you can prove. No prophecy in that Bible you can open up and show me that's ever come to pass. I can keep you here all night, all week, all month. There are over 2,500 prophecies in the Holy Bible. Over 2,000 of them have come to pass with complete and total accuracy. If you're betting your soul against the authenticity and the accuracy of Bible prophecy, you, my friend, have made a losing bet. And I'm here tonight to grab you by the nap of your neck and shake and rattle your brain till it comes back into signal and tell you that there's a God who made a promise and told us over 400 times that his son Jesus will one day return. Jesus said as he ascended in heaven, I go to prepare a place for you, but if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Historically, all nations and all empires have an expiration date. The ancient Babylonian empire only lasted 86 years. The great Babylonian empire only lasted 86 years. The Persian empire only lasted 208 years. The glory of the Greek empire lasted roughly 350 years. The great Roman empire lasted from 27 B.C. to A.D. 476. The British empire only endured 250 years. Hear me when I tell you this, and if you're taking notes, write it down. All empires in history have an expiration date. The United States of America has already celebrated a bicentennial. But sadly, I'm here to tell you that the exact same godless moral rot Political corruption and leaders who are not leaders who act like petulant children just like they did in history gone by now sit in seats of power. And America sadly is looking like she will never celebrate a tricentennial. I came to tell you the four possible prophetic scenarios of America in the last days, let's get to the meat of it, scenario number one. Again, America is suspiciously absent from the pages of Bible prophecy. Not one mention of America in the final pages of prophecy. As a matter of fact, America, who historically has always been Israel's greatest ally, in recent months, Major decisions have been made by people in power to begin to back away from that like never before in American history. The withdrawal in Afghanistan left Israel in a position of vulnerability because our American military was not just there in Afghanistan to deal with terrorism, I think we all saw exactly how quickly when somebody got serious about mopping up the floor, it didn't take long. And they hid in holes like rats until recent days. But the truth be known, we were not just there to keep a leash upon terrorism. 
We were there because the Kabul airport is about a thousand miles from Jerusalem. And it gave us military prowess at the back door of the Middle East. And people knew that America was too close to mess with Israel because we have always historically been their greatest ally. When they became a nation, May 14, 1948, 11 minutes after the declaration of their official statehood, the first nation to respond was the United States of America. 11 minutes after their paperwork was officially approved before the ink was dry on their documents. Our president at that time in 48 made it clear, we will stand with you, and we always have. Now, the reason I bring that up is because in Bible prophecy, it's very significant. Don't forget what I'm about to share with you. The Bible says those that bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel shall be cursed. If you need a modern example of that in vivid and graphic color, study Germany and Hitler. Germany arguably was the leading nation on the face of the earth until a man by the name of Hitler began to lay his hands upon the Jews. And Germany went from one of the leading, if not the leading nation on the face of the earth within a handful of years to being bombed to rubble and they have never fully recovered to this day. Because those that bless Israel, God said, will be blessed. But those who curse Israel shall be cursed. Israel is now in a vulnerable position because of bad decisions made in Afghanistan. Furthermore, just a few days ago, the current administration defunded the Iron Dome which is the military technology that covers the small state of Israel and protects her from incoming missiles and rockets. Israel, smaller than the state of Connecticut, is surrounded completely by Islamic nations who have declared they'll wipe them from the face of the earth. Their hatred for the Jews is historic and unrelenting. Over a thousand rockets a day, on average, are fired from those nations into Israel. But they have this incredible technology that the United States along with Israel have helped to provide, referred to as the Iron Dome, that stops 99 plus percent of every rocket ever fired over the course of the years. Days ago, our administration defunded it. Anti-Semitism is rising not only in this nation but around the world. And that, my friend, is straight out of the pages of Bible prophecy. You need to pray for America. If you're taking notes, here's scenario number one. Scenario number one is that America may still be a powerful nation in the last days, but the Lord simply chose not to mention her specifically. Let me give you that again. I see many, many people writing. Scenario number one, America may still be a powerful nation in the last days, but the Lord simply chose not to mention her specifically. 
In final Bible prophecy, as we study final Bible prophecy, the dominant political and military powers at the end of times are centered in the Mediterranean region and Europe. But the scriptural silence concerning America seems to indicate that by the time the Great Tribulation arrives, that seven-year window of apocalyptic events defined in the Scripture, America is no longer a major influence in this world. As a matter of fact, listen carefully, the next major prophetic event on the calendar of God is an event called the rapture of the church found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, found in 1 Corinthians 15, found in John's gospel, found in Revelation 4 and 1. Some referred to it as the great catching up. But the next major prophetic event is the rapture of the church. It is a signless event. And when I say it is a signless event, there is not one specific prophecy that warns us of the detailed timing as to when it will occur. The Bible said in an hour in which you think not. Jesus said it will happen like a thief in the night. Paul the apostle said it will take place in the twinkling of an eye. When Jesus comes to rapture the church, by the way, the rapture is Jesus coming for his saints. There is another event at the end of the tribulation that's called the second coming of Jesus. That is Jesus coming back with his saints. Think of the seven years of tribulation like seven books. And the rapture is a bookend on the left and the second coming is a bookend on the right. The rapture is Jesus coming for the church The second coming is Jesus returning with the church and it takes us into a period of time Revelation calls the millennium a thousand year period where those who return with the Lord will rule and reign based upon their faith and their responsibility while they were here on this earth in Christ. Your position in the millennium is being watched on how you carry out your Christian conduct and character right now. The spiritual silence and the scriptural silence concerning America is fearful. Dr. John Walvoord, one of the most brilliant professors in eschatology who ever wore shoe leather, long gone to be with the Lord, he agreed with this possibility and out of his book he said this, quote, Although conclusions concerning the role of America in prophecy in the end time are necessarily tentative, the scriptural evidence is sufficient to conclude that America in that day will not be a major power and apparently does not figure largely in either the political, economic, or religious aspects of the world. End quote. Some have said America could never fail. We have watched the speed of failure in recent months at a fearful pace. We went from great prosperity to now many things in the store shelves look like a second world country and there's little to be had. 
in my travels all over America, car lots, many of which only have a handful of vehicles overnight. Gas prices are soaring. Building materials have gone up in the last few months over 453%. In many places in this country right now, the cost of building a new home will cost you more than the home will be worth when you're done. Our government continues to hand out money like we're playing some type of game show and people won't even work. And many places in my travels on the road have closed signs with a sign, I apologize, but I can't get anyone in this city to work. And it seems like every possible step to decapitate American capitalism is being taken. And they're pulling us into communism and socialism as fast as they possibly can. Scenario number two. Scenario number two is that America is not mentioned specifically in final Bible prophecy because she will have been destroyed by other nations. I see people writing. Let me give it to you again. Scenario two. America is not mentioned in final Bible prophecy because she has been destroyed by other nations. There are many notable scholars who present the theory that America is going to be destroyed in a nuclear war. The former president of North Point Bible College and Graduate School, where I'm currently chairman of the board, we sit still on a regular basis. I believe he's 98 years old. But he loves to talk about eschatology with me. And recently we were talking about this subject. And as I was speaking to him, he said, I believe that is what will happen to America. And he's a wise man and a godly man. He was David Wilkerson's spiritual father and a great man of God. I said, Dr. Crandall, why do you so strongly feel that way? And in his elderly voice, he said, and I'll never forget it, Tiff, your Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. America is the only nation on the planet who sowed nuclear bombs. We sowed nuclear bombs in Nagasaki, in Hiroshima, and because America has sown nuclear bombs, America in prophecy will reap nuclear bombs. I'd never heard anybody say that before, and the hair on the back of my neck went up, and I've never been smart enough to be afraid of anybody. Is it possible that because America is the only nation on the planet that sowed nuclear bombs, that there is a payday someday. There are multiple passages in the Bible that can actually support that. If you have your Bibles, let me show you just one of these for sake of time. 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3 is a chapter in the Bible that many notable scholars define as the clear definition of nuclear war. 
Listen to it. 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Speaking of the rapture. Then the heavens will pass away. Pause right there. Now you have to remember that Peter the apostle who wrote this letter had no idea as to military technology and prowess in the 21st century. They were still fighting battles with swords and spears and shields. But notice his first century verbiage translated from the original manuscripts into English. The heavens will pass away. Did you know that modern nuclear bombs do not explode by detonation? They are not dropped, and when they hit the target on the earth, they detonate by impact as older technology once was. But current nuclear bombs have computerized GPS altimeters, and they are typically set, and I confirm this with military individuals, typically set 300 to 500 meters above the city that is targeted to be detonated. And once they hit that set altitude, they explode in the heavens. Peter said, in this judgment of God, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Spears didn't make terrible noises. Swords didn't make terrible noises. Nothing in the first century military weaponry made terrible noise. But Peter, in the first century, said in this judgment of God after the rapture, something will happen in the heavens that will cause the heaven to pass away with a terrible noise. Now don't miss this. The Bible describes in the New Testament three heavens. It speaks of the three atmospheres. And the heaven that is translated here is the atmosphere just above the earth. And so Peter, translated from the original Greek manuscripts, was saying this terrible noise will pass away and cause destruction in the atmosphere just above cities on this earth. But he didn't stop there. Let's read on. He went on to say, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. In a nuclear explosion, which we have sadly documentation of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the major buildings in the epicenter, it was said, vanished without a trace. And the nuclear bombs that we have today, many of which are a hundred times and many greater than that in power and devastation than the bombs that were dropped. Young people, I challenge you after the service to Google before and after pictures of Nagasaki and Hiroshima and you will see that they were literally wiped from the face of the earth, scoured. Bible tells us that there will not only be a terrible noise in the heaven, but the Bible says the very elements, the word elements from the Greek speaks of particles, elements, building materials, and so on. In the epicenter where the nuclear bombs were dropped, 
The human body is mostly water. But the heat was so intense that human bodies for miles literally evaporated. There was nothing, not a bone, not a tooth, not a filling, nothing. The heat so intense, it literally evaporated human bodies. It acted much like a camera. The flash of the bomb literally took the picture of the shadows of people and left them on the ground fleeing, but not a trace of humanity, flesh, DNA, nothing, not even dust was left. And the Bible said the elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Many scholars believed that Peter was giving a prophetic veiled reference to the nuclear fallout and radiation poisoning that will follow. But listen to what Peter went on to say. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy godly lives you should be living, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. For on that day, God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Are you living a holy life? Are you living a godly life? If these events were to begin to unfold and the domino that triggers the final prophecies were to begin to take place, are you ready to meet the Lord? Because if you're not, I'm here to preach the Bible without fear. But I want you to know this preacher loves you. If you're the worst sinner in the state of Alaska, I'm not here against you. I'm here for you. I'm holding a hand out like a Marine with a wounded friend on the battlefield. My spirit is no man left behind. I don't want you to be left behind. I don't want you left for the devil and the promises of judgment and the wrath that is to come. I'm here like an old Marine with a friend on the field to pick you up and to take you to the foot of the cross and introduce you to the blood that will forgive every sin, cleanse every stain, and give you newness of of life through the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and coming very soon. Come on, give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Scenario number three. Scenario number three is that America is not mentioned in Bible prophecy because she will have lost her influence. As a result of moral and spiritual deterioration. In other words, America will collapse. Not because of enemies on the outside. But because of internal political corruption on the inside. And many notable scholars that I have great respect for. Seem to think that based on what we see now, this is the most accurate. Proverbs 28 and verse 2, the Bible said, When there is moral rot in a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. Oh, for wise and knowledgeable leaders. And I'm not just talking about the current president. 
The one before him had a bigger ego than the devil himself. I want to tell you something. Only God can make America great again. For those of you who think I'm trying to throw a political overtone in here, you're mistaken. I have no faith in any of them. They're all acting like a bunch of petulant children. It seems like somebody took the gates off the state infirmary and the patients are in charge of the planet. I'm here to tell you I don't have any faith in Democrats. I don't have any faith in Republicans. I don't have any faith in politicians. You know how you can tell a politician is lying? His lips are moving. They are all filled with lies, deceits, false promises, and your hope is not in the hands of a politician. Your only hope is in the soon coming king who lives holy and high and will say exactly what God has said. Not one bit political. I think every last one of them should be drug out behind the barn and bullwhipped. Lord, I apologize for that. Sure sounded a whole lot like my daddy. Please forgive me. Proponents of this view have no trouble citing the alarming statistics in this country related to drug use, violence, racism, alcoholism, teen pregnancy, children born out of wedlock, divorce, pornography, abortion, homosexuality, pedophilia, the collapse of responsible finance, media attack, the attack of our amendments, the attack of our Constitution, the attack of our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, can you imagine that a day would ever come in America when a president would look in the camera and say, we're coming for your guns, and if necessary, we will take them out of your hands? You're not going to want to try that. If they do try that, I sure hope they start in the state of Texas. Seriously, I, I'm just praying. If the Lord would allow that, please try that and start in Texas. And if they'll sell it on pay-per-view, I'll buy a front row seat. I preach in Texas all the time. If you're going to start in Texas going door to take guns, you better have that 200 million man army that John prophesied about. Because the men won't even get out of their easy chairs. Just the women will put you out of commission. The women and the kids will be all that will be needed in Texas. Lord, I apologize again and... I ask you to help me as I wrap this up. Scenario number four, and I close with this. And this scenario is going to need just a little background context from the Scripture. As I have already mentioned to you, America has always been the number one ally and defender of the nation of Israel. By the way, somebody asked me the question here since I've been here in Wasilla, what is the most important prophecy in the Bible, in your opinion? Well, it's not my opinion. I'll just flat out tell you what the most important prophecy in the Bible is. Actually, it's twofold. It's a two-part prophecy 
but it is the single most important prophecy in the Bible to let you know you're living in the last days. Two things that God said in multiple passages to signify the beginning of the end. Number one would be the rebirth of the nation of Israel. That was fulfilled May 14, 1948. Out of Matthew 24, there are many scholars that believe that when the Scripture says the generation that witnesses that will not pass until all of these things are fulfilled. So there are many in the realm of eschatology who believe that once Israel was reborn as a nation, it's the final prophetic clock. The pin is pulled on the final grenade of Bible prophecy. But the second prophecy that is equal or greater than or tied to is the Bible prophesied, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and Revelation, that God would begin to supernaturally gather the Jews from around the world and bring them back to the homeland that he promised to them. Let me throw a little piece into the pie that will help some of you that are skeptical. Jerusalem, our last president and allied nations, declared Jerusalem to be the official capital of the nation of Israel. That was prophetic, whether you knew it or not. Tel Aviv had been. But our last president, along with allied nations, historically, prophetically, decided we're going to officially declare Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel. Do you remember the date of that? May 14th. 2018, 70 years to the day after Israel was reborn as a nation. And you see, because people don't listen to anybody who intelligently and intellectually preaches Bible prophecy, people are saying, well, you know, they've said those things for years. My grandmother believed that. and My great-grandmother believed that. But it's never going to, they don't understand the chronology of Bible prophecy. Something took place in 2009 that had never happened. Now, the Jews had been scattered around the world. But they began to come back to Israel slowly but surely. But by 2009, there were more Jews living in Israel than Jews living anywhere else in the world. That had never happened since A.D. 135. But the Bible prophesied this. It's called in eschatology, it's called the super side. The regathering of the Jews supernaturally to the homeland of Israel. First, Israel has to be reborn as a nation, May 14, 1948. Jerusalem becomes the capital, May 14, 2018. 2009, for the first time since AD 135, there were more Jews in Israel than anywhere else in the earth. The second closest was the New York City surrounding five boroughs. About 6.8 million Jews in Israel, about 6.5 million Jews in New York City. In 2009, it's the first time that the number was greater in Israel than anywhere else in the world. The remaining 13% of Jews in the world are scattered throughout the nations of the earth. Almost all of the Jews in the world, 83% or 87%, are either in New York City or Israel. 
Not accidental that the devil targeted New York City when he struck this country. I close with this. Unless current American political leadership revives our historic support of Israel, this nation is in for the promised wrath of God. And this is going to make some of you mad. But no praying church will be able to stop it. I've been criticized for preaching that for 40 years, but let me prove it to you. Prayer can change many things, but prayer can't change prophecy. You can't pray and get God to lie. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And the last time I read the prophetic words of the Heavenly Father, He said in the last days there will be a great falling away from faith. There will be a remnant. I'm praying for pockets of revival. I'm praying that there might be spiritual awakening. But I am here to tell you prayer can't change prophecy. You can't fast and pray. I don't care if you get the church around the world to agree and to pray and to fast. Corporately as a whole, the church cannot undo what God has said will come to pass. Now again, prayer can change a lot of things, but don't ever forget this. Write it down if you've never heard it before. Prayer can't change prophecy. Until the rapture, we need to pray that America wraps its arms around Israel. But sadly, we are headed in the other direction. And to be honest with you, I have great concern. Second, we know from Scripture that after the rapture takes place, we know who Israel's greatest friend is immediately after the rapture, the Antichrist. Out of the dust and chaos... Immediately after the rapture, out of that chaos arises the one world leader. The Bible calls him the Antichrist, and he is Israel's greatest ally. He sits at a table in Jerusalem and negotiates a trial treaty of seven years. And Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament in the ninth chapter, tells us the exact day that the tribulation begins. The day that the Antichrist signs that seven-year peace treaty in Jerusalem and the cameras and the media of the world will be on it. As they focus in on his pen signing the document, that very day is the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. And the Bible said it will be exactly seven years not by our calendar, but by the Jewish calendar of 360 days per year. And thereby we know the exact day of the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you're left behind, if you're watching this preacher and the rapture has taken place, the day that the Antichrist signed that treaty in Jerusalem, the tribulation has begun. 
and exactly seven years times 360, you can be sure that in the clouds of glory, Jesus Christ will descend. The Bible says his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and he'll return with the Holy Church without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle, pure and holy, and with the splendor of his coming and the breath of his mouth, he will destroy this world system and put into effect the kingdom of God, world without end, and we shall rule and reign with him forever and forever. The strong presence of Europe and what is going on. And I love this. I'll close. I think you can tell that this is a great passion in my heart to get people ready to meet the Lord. But I believe it seems very possible that what's going to bring America to her knees will be the rapture. And I told you I would close by telling you what I believe the weight of scholarship rests upon. And I believe the weight of scholarship rests upon that scenario. Scenario number four is that America will be brought to her knees permanently by the rapture of the church. And let me tell you why. According to the most recent research from Barna, 85% of Americans claim to be Christians. Now we know that's not factual. That group would be called in theological circles as cultural Christians. But the Bible's very clear. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. But they'll never tell you that in the media. The grassroots American populace, 85% have some level of faith in God. 41% of Americans claim to be born-again Christians which is a subset of the broad Christian group. That represents conservatively 15 to 20 million born-again Christian adults in this country as I speak. Adding children, that number could easily climb to 25 to 30 million people. There are other numbers and studies that would take the number of born-again Christians to 65 million. I'm not going to spend time debating the number. But imagine 50 to 60 million Christians raptured in the twinkling of an eye. America in that moment will lose a significant part of its population. And not only a significant part of its population, the best part of its population. The salt and the light will be taken. The Bible said in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. But you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Stand to your feet with me, please. Listen carefully to these concluding remarks. Imagine 60 or 70 million people snatched out of America with a population of about 360 plus million. Millions of mortgages go unpaid. Military personnel in untold numbers will be permanently taken. Factory workers will not show up for key positions and machinery. College tuitions overdue. Businesses will be left 
without key workers, leaders, and even CEOs. The Dow will crash. The NASDAQ will plummet. The entire economy, in a short order, by the rapture, will leave this country broken and mutilated beyond recovery. It could very well be that the rapture, the removal of the church, is the final death knell of the United States of America. I conclude with this remark. Don't miss it. The church will always survive without America. But America will never survive without the church. The church will thrive without America. But America can never survive without the church. Peter said, knowing that these things are going to happen, what pure and godly lives you should be living. Are you living a pure life? Are you living a godly life? I hope that you realize tonight that in a message like this, I cannot give you an exhaustive answer to such an incredible question. But I've tried my best tonight to take you into the Bible and to show you four biblical scenarios, explain them to you cautiously. But the main thing is, are you ready? For the rapture again will take place in an hour in which you think not. What if you were to leave this service tonight, go home, lay your head to the pillow, and in the middle of the night you were to be awakened to the sound of a trumpet unlike any you had ever heard before? Would you awake with fear or would you awake with great joy knowing that all of your accounts with God are paid in full? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.